mystery tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to this 19th episode of the History Goes Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Denise. And today we are going across the pond over to one of the most haunted countries in Europe, to one of its most haunted locations, Edinburgh Castle. I'm really looking forward to this one. I am too, because that's definitely, I actually heard some people, we were doing ghost stories at a camp, and they had visited a haunted location in Edinburgh, and it, like, freaky stories, and they had experiences, so. Is that the one where they were down in, like, I don't know if it, it, I think it was like a dungeon or something, and they took pictures and they got green mist in it? That was one of the things that happened, and then they were, like, in an, kind of an underground where it was, like, tunnels, Mm -hmm. and one of the kids in the group started screaming and took off and was, like, leave me alone, like, very, very terrified, and they calmed him down, and the parents were like, I don't know what got into him. And when they pulled up his shirt, he had a handprint oh. where he'd been hit. Oh, my goodness. And there was nothing. Like, they were watching him just scream from what looked like nothing. So You know, it, it might be this location because they have an underground city in Edinburgh, and the castle definitely has underground tunnels, mm -hmm. as we will be discussing. Yeah, because I think that they were just telling, like, real ghost stories. And so theirs had me very, very intrigued. So I wanted to go over to Edinburgh since then. Well, we hope you caught the last show, which was our bonus cast, the first ever bonus cast that we've done. We shared some of the outtakes from the show, things that weren't supposed to make it out into the public, but we decided to share them with you. And we've gotten some feedback on it already that people were laughing their butts off. So uh, I guess it was probably a good thing to go ahead and put it out there. And if you can't laugh at yourself, what can you laugh at? Exactly. And I know there was some laughing going on in the outtakes as well. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of that for sure. Of course, we want to thank Mary for your wonderful comments about the show. She's really been enjoying it. And uh, she also joined up over at the Spooktacular crew at the group page on Facebook. So welcome, Mary. Yeah, We're glad absolutely. to have you. And speaking of that Spooktacular crew group page... For those of you that have been following the show for some time now, you know that we have a Patreon page that has different reward levels set up over there according to whatever donations we get. And if we hit the point where we have a hundred or more dollars in donations every month, we were going to start running contests, which is still the case. But we thought since we're such wonderful, generous people and we're launching into a brand new year here and we wanted to do a little thank you to our listeners. So we launched the show in October. And at the end of the year, we had over 3,800 downloads of the show, and that's just from one of the platforms that we have the show loaded up at. So we wanted to thank you for that. And over at TuneIn, we have 64 followers. So we think we've done pretty well for our first uh, few months that we've been doing the show, and we have you guys to thank for that. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to run a contest. And what the prize is going to be is your choice of either a logo tee or a coffee mug that has the History Goes Bump logo on it. It'll be your decision, men, women's, or a, a coffee mug. Now, in order to enter this contest, you have to do one of two things. You either have to join the Spooktacular Crew group page over on Facebook, 
Or if you are not on Facebook, you need to sign up for the newsletter. That way we know who you are and we're able to put your name into a random drawing and Rafiki, our little furry producer, will draw the winning name out. You have until January 31st, 2015 to do one of those two things. If you have already done so, you are already entered into the contest and there's nothing you need to do. If you join both the Spooktacular Crew group page and sign up for the newsletter, it does not give you two entries. I'm sorry. We want to be fair to everybody. So it's only one entry per person, but those are the two ways that you can enter into the contest. So just do those two things and we will draw a name at the end of this month and then we will get in touch with you to find out where your address is and sizes and colors and all that good stuff. And just keep in mind that just because it's not one per family, so if you and your spouse or if you can get your spouse or somebody in your family listening, then that would be two entries for your family and you could share the mug. The shirt might be kind of difficult depending on what your size is with your spouse. Or if there's somebody who doesn't listen to the show and you want to steal their account and register them. (laughs) Or you can fight over it when it comes to the house. We really don't care. We have all these fake ones. That that (laughs) podcast, they've hijacked and pirated all of our stuff from their listeners. You know, I think that's a pretty good business out there. When I first started History Goes Bump, I must have gotten five emails from these quote-unquote companies that would get you followers or likes and that kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, so you want me to pay you 50 bucks to get five friends? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I have to buy my friends. You want me to pay you 50 to 100 bucks to get 5,000 followers on Twitter so that I look like I'm a big cheese? And the point I made is, what the hell do I care if they're not actually following what I'm saying? Then I might as well be spitting into the wind. And then what happens when you do that? Ick. Yeah. Especially if it's like, you know, you're sick and stuff. Well, when we were talking, oh, that's double <laughs> ick. <laughs> Sometimes there's a reason why Diane relates to 12-year-old boys. <laughs> but the other thing I was thinking when you were talking is we do like ghosts, but we don't want ghost listeners or ghost followers. We, we want... A real relationship with our followers, not uh, not just like, oh, woohoo, where are they? Yeah, they have to be room temperature, at least. So I don't know if room <laughs> temperatures may not be good either. We want you to be the regular human temperature you're supposed to be. <laughs> and make sure you check out our website at historygoesbump.com. And that is where you can sign up for the newsletter. You can also find all the places you can follow us on Tumblr and Twitter and Facebook. Also, where you can listen to the show, the different platforms it's up at. We have the blog over there. We have an events page. We have a contact page. Lots of great stuff. So make sure you check out that website. And if you want to send us any feedback about the show, perhaps some suggestions for future shows, let us know at historyghostbump at gmail.com. All right, let's get started with this show. like to support the show please visit our patreon page at patreon.com forward slash history goes bump or perhaps you just want to make a one-time donation click the donate button on our website at historygoesbump.com One of America's more obscure and mostly forgotten holidays is Peeing Day. Now, while this sounds like an offensive, if not odd, holiday, it really has a cool history. Sorta. 
During the Revolutionary War, General George Washington won the Battle of Princeton, which took place on January 3, 1777. The British had regrouped at Princeton in New Jersey, and the Continental Army staged a surprise attack in the early morning hours. One would think this would lead the Americans to a decisive victory, but the British fought hard and started to push the Continental Army back. The general leading the charge against the British, Hugh Mercer, was killed. A second group under Brigadier General John Cowalder arrived on the scene and was forced to retreat. And then came the hero, General George Washington, who immediately inspired the troops and the victory turned in favor of the Americans. The British were defeated and marched out of Princeton. As they took their walk of shame, the victorious Continental Army whipped out their manhoods and, well, peed in the direction of the defeated British troops. One hundred years after this occasion, the first peeing day holiday was observed in Princeton, New Jersey. This went on as an annual event until World Wars I and II, when the celebration was halted as it appeared to be anti-British. The holiday continues today, though, and has been moved from January 3rd to the second Saturday of March. Princeton is the only place to observe it, and activities include a recreation of the Battle of Princeton. At the end of the battle, two American soldier reenactors chase after one British redcoat reenactor to an area at the end of Nassau Street, where 50 to 200 other participants are busy peeing in the street. The Battle of Princeton was a great victory, but the idea that such a victory would be honored by peeing in the street is a bit odd. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it! You're ignorant! They're coming for you, Barbara. Stop it! You're acting like a child! They're coming for you! Look! There comes one of them now! He'll hear you. Here he comes now. I'm getting out of here. John. This day in history. On this day, January 3rd in 1521, Martin Luther is officially excommunicated from the Roman Catholic Church by Pope Leo X. Martin Luther had been a Catholic priest, German friar, and a professor of theology at the University of Wittenberg in Germany. While he was at university, he started to notice discrepancies between what the Bible said and what the Catholic Church was teaching. The Church had written much of their liturgy and the Bible in Latin so that the unlearned people were left having to trust what the Church was telling them. Martin Luther exposed the Catholic Church in his 95 Thesis, which he nailed upon the door at All Saints Church in Wittenberg. Luther taught that indulgences sold to people as an attempt to wipe away sin were wrong and that salvation was by grace and not works. He also translated the Bible into a language that people could read. Luther was brought before the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V and asked to recant his writings and beliefs, which Luther refused to do. He became an outlaw and had to go into hiding. German royalty hid him until his death in 1546. History Goes Bump Podcast. Castle Rock is a formation that has existed for millions of years. Men lived on the rock starting in the Bronze Age in 860 BC. During the Iron Age, an ancient fort was erected on the site by the Gadaden, 
and they called it Din Eden. That name would later evolve into Eden, which has Britonic Celtic origins, and the city would be named Edinburgh from that time. Edinburgh became the capital of Scotland and has been since the 15th century. Edinburgh was the center of Scotland during the 16th century, Scottish Reformation, and the 17th century saw the people of Edinburgh building multi-storied buildings that were replaced with Victorian architecture in the 18th century. In 1889, Edinburgh officially became a city. And those multi-storied buildings reportedly were the beginnings of skyscrapers. All the way back then. All the way back then. Amazing, huh? Yes. The first king of Scotland took the throne in 1035 AD, and his name was Duncan I. King Duncan's eldest son, Malcolm III, became king of Scots in 1058 AD, and he built a castle atop Castle Rock. His wife, Queen Margaret, built a chapel within the walls, and their son, David I, built the abbey at Holyrod. The abbey in Edinburgh Castle would be anchor points on a road called the Royal Mile, and the city prospered in the area. The English eventually captured Edinburgh Castle and held it until Robert the Bruce's nephew, Thomas Randolph, climbed the side of the castle with his men in the middle of the night and recaptured the castle on March 14, 1314. An enormous weapon resembling a giant cannon was built by Jehan Campbell in 1449 and was named the Mons Meg. It could fire cannonballs up to 400 pounds in weight. Can you imagine getting hit by one of those things? No, I can imagine getting hit by a little cannonball. That thing would like, I wouldn't even have to get hit. Just roll it on me and I'm dead. 400 pounds is a lot of pounds. The Mons Meg was shipped to Edinburgh Castle in 1457 and was used for many years as protection. The bulky weapon, which weighed six tons, soon proved to be too much and was left to be used during ceremonies. That ended in 1681 when the Mons Meg exploded. A restored version of the weapon now sits in Edinburgh Castle. The carriage the Mons Meg sits upon was reconstructed based on a carving on the walls inside the castle that dates back to 1500. And for people who want to see a picture of the Mons Meg, we do have one up with the blog post that goes with today's show notes. During the Lang Siege in 1573, the eastern defenses of the castle were toppled and the Regent Morton took over the rebuilding of the castle. Much of what is currently part of the castle was built during this time. In the 18th and early 19th century, Edinburgh Castle was used as a military prison. A massive prison break occurred in 1814, and so the castle was named a national monument, and from that time forward, it has been a tourist destination. You know, I've, I've mentioned it before. Isn't it weird that a lot of times psychiatric hospitals, or at the time they called them mostly asylums, and prisons, you know, it, it kind of makes you wonder, we know a lot of stuff that went on in there, but what went on in those two places in ancient times that caused so many hauntings and so much unrest? Well, you know, as we've discussed, just the, you and I, about prisons nowadays, and I, I'm thinking most of our listeners would probably agree, they're country clubs compared to what prisons were, especially back in these times in a military prison. Mm-hmm. These are your enemies that you have as prisoners of war. So these men were tortured, they were starved, whatever they were fed probably was crap that would rat had probably been among the things. Plus they're in these dank, sick tunnels and prisons and all this other stuff. So if you think about the kind of emotional responses that you're going to get out of that, and just the fact that a lot of these buildings and such are built out of stone, some kind of stone, that it's that tape writing that you hear different paranormal investigators and parapsychologists and stuff when they're talking about 
It's this like stone tape and it just somehow it records the emotions from these people. And that's why you get a lot of the replaying of this stuff. And it, it does lend some credence to those theories. Oh, absolutely. Because it's almost any time you've had back in the old days in asylum or prison, you can well bet. And they'll usually say it's one of the most haunted places. You know, I know we joke about that, but those are the places that they just creep you out looking at them. Exactly. For example, we went to the old jail in St. Augustine, Florida. And when we were there, at first we thought it was just going to be kind of a a cheesy kind of location with people dressed up like jailers and things of that nature. We didn't realize it was going to be the real deal. And when you go into the middle jail part where they had the cells and stuff, and they you would walk into these cells and it was so dark in there. And then you would hear the clank of those bars and the rigging and the setup that they have for the cells at the old jail in St. Augustine is the exact same stuff that they have in Alcatraz. So you just imagine what that must have been like. Plus, if you were sitting on, quote unquote, death row waiting to be executed, you usually could see or hear the building of the gallow that you were going to be hung on. Yeah. So this could be a future show because I forgot how fascinating that was. So maybe we'll just focus on the old jail and some of the prisoners one of these times. You know, maybe one of these months, that's what we'll do is just a whole month of jails. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. So maybe we'll do that uh, in February or something. Okay. Well, we both like to hunt squirrels. So we went off track a little bit, but we'll, we'll bring it on back. <laughs> <laughs> went down that squirrel hole. Chasing squirrels. People enter the castle through the Castle Esplanade, which was originally designed as a ceremonial parade ground and gives a beautiful view of Edinburgh. The castle is a collection of buildings, with the oldest one being St. Margaret's Chapel that we mentioned earlier. Its chancel arch is one of the only original parts still left of the original castle, and it has more modern stained glass windows. Another building is the Royal Palace, where the Stone of Destiny and Scotland's Crown Jewels are kept, and a wonderful clock tower is located here as well. For those who don't know, the Stone of Destiny is a biblical relic brought to Ireland and then Scotland by Scottish royalty, and legend claims that this stone is where Jacob rested his head when he had had his dream about Jacob's ladder. Mary, Queen of Scots, gave birth to James VI in the royal palace, and legend tells a tale of a friend of the queen's using magic to project the horrible birth pains the queen was experiencing into a servant. Nothing good ever comes of magic. That's what they tell us on Once Upon a Time. I know, magic always has a price. That's right. In 1888, the gatehouse was built and statues of Robert the Bruce and William Wallace are there in honor of the heroes. The half-moon battery is behind the gatehouse and was used as defense with cannons being fired from this area. The Great Hall was built during the 16th century with a hammer bean roof that is one of the most extraordinary medieval wooden roofs in the world featuring carved stone heads and symbols, including the green man and a pair of thistles, and is located in the heart of the castle at Crown Square. That green man comes up a lot in symbology over in these areas. For a lot of people who watched the movie Da Vinci Code or read the book and you heard about Roslyn Chapel, the green man symbology is all over that place. So it's something that they definitely use during those, especially in the medieval times. All of this history and lore leads to the possibility of a very supernatural location. People died here, were imprisoned here, worshipped here, and lived amazing lives here. Edinburgh is considered the most haunted city in Europe, and Edinburgh Castle is its most haunted location. Beneath the castle lies the dungeon. There is a ghost of a prisoner here who in life had thought he had devised the perfect plan for escape. You want to hear this, Denise? I do want to hear this plan for escape. 
This guy, you know, prisoners are not necessarily known for being brainiacs because let's face it. First of all, you did something stupid that got you arrested or you just were not real clever about hiding whatever you did and you got busted. Well, generally they always catch him, but I will admit a lot of times prisoners aren't the sharpest crayon in the box. Well, this guy definitely was not the sharpest (laughs) crayon. So he looks over here to the side. And he sees this big wheelbarrow, and it's full of dung. So he thinks to himself, hmm, what if I climbed into that wheelbarrow, burrowed my way into all of that poop, and hid there so that when they take the wheelbarrow out and they dump it outside on the hill, I'll just lay low for a little bit, then I will kick my way out of the poo, and I can make a run for it, and I'll be a free man. That was kind of a crappy plan. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. Well, it was indeed a very crappy plan, as you said, because something he hadn't accounted for was that maybe this pile isn't going to go be put over there on the hill. Perhaps they're going to dump this pile over the rocky crags, which is exactly what happened. And so he was thrown down to his death. So not only did he have to endure, I don't know how many minutes, maybe an hour worth of being inside of a dung heap, but then you get thrown down to your death. And he probably wasn't even being held prisoner on death row. Yeah, I mean, he maybe he did something really stupid like stole somebody's chickens. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but his body may have been free, but his spirit is trapped at Edinburgh Castle. He is temperamental and tries to push people from the battlements. And since his final place in life was in the dung heap, people report the smell of dung on occasion. I guess they just walk around and go, it sure smells shitty around here. Hey, what's your language? This is a rated G show. <laughs> <laughs> You keep telling me that, but I just, uh, yeah. Ghostly dog barks have been heard coming from the pet cemetery on property, and one ghost dog has been reported on several occasions. Hey, I have some dog commentary on this for us. (coughs) Oh, that's awesome. A specter in a leather apron has been seen, and it is reported to appear as an old man. I was just going to say, any ghost that shows up in a leather apron, I'm a little bit worried about. Because if you're wearing a leather apron, I'm hoping you're a blacksmith, but you could be a butcher or I... <laughs> I know that creepy guy at that haunted house we went to had an apron on and he scared the... Uh... Literally, he almost made you uh, form a little dung heap of your own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy made me jump. These types of full body apparitions are very unique and rarely seen. But at the castle, they are the most reported type of phenomenon. There are also claims of shadow people, mist, strange lights, and drops in temperature. Another full-body apparition that has been seen and most definitely heard is that of the piper. The piper was employed by the castle to help with exploration of the underground tunnels. It was thought the sound of the pipes would help lead the way for those above ground to find out where the tunnels led, and for a bit, this plan worked. But slowly the piper's music began to fade, and soon the people above ground could no longer hear his pipes. A small group was sent in search of the piper, but he was gone as if he had disappeared, and they decided to close up the tunnels, and they were sealed. He was either buried alive in the tunnels, or something quite strange happened to him. The sound of his pipes can be heard emanating from the walls, and the tunnels which run under the Royal Mile have had pipe music floating all the way to the street level at times as well. During the 17th century, the ghost of a drummer boy started to be seen. He is usually seen headless and generally only during times of war. The sounds of his drums have been heard, but no reports past 1960 have been made about this spirit, more than likely because we are in a time of peace. 
No one knows who he is or how he came to lose his head. Lady of Glamis spent some time in the dungeon of the castle. She had been accused of witchcraft in the 16th century. Accusations of her plotting to kill the king were added to the list of wrongdoing, and she was sentenced to death. This sentence was carried out on July 17, 1537, and the means by which her life was ended was by burning at the stake. Her ghost is seen among the battlements, and the haunting sound of hammers at work have been attributed to the construction of the platform upon which she was executed. And even more horrifying, her son was made to watch this happen. It is amazing some of the things, not only across the pond, but here in U.S. history that we have done in the sake of thinking we were, I don't know, whatever. It's just, you know, just how many women were burned for really no good reason just because somebody accused them. America has a connection to Edinburgh Castle dating back to the Revolutionary War. Prisoners of that war were taken to the castle and their ghosts are sometimes seen there. The ghosts of French prisoners of the war from the Seven-Year War have been reported also. If you think all these reported hauntings are poppycock, in 2001, a scientific study was conducted by a skeptical scientist by the name of Dr. Richard Wiseman. He used participants that knew nothing about the castle and equipped them with all the best equipment of the time, and the results astonished him. Areas that had been reported to be haunted in the past were the same areas his test group registered activity. The website about.com describes the experiment on their paranormal page like this, quote, As part of the Edinburgh International Science Festival, Dr. Richard Wiseman, a psychologist from Hertfordshire University in southeast England, enlisted the help of 240 volunteers to explore the allegedly haunted sites in a 10-day study. Chosen from visitors from around the world, the volunteers were led in groups of 10 through the creepy, damp cellars, chambers, and vaults. Wiseman's team came prepared with an array of high-tech, ghost-busting equipment such as thermal imagers, geomagnetic sensors, temperature probes, night vision equipment, and digital cameras. Each of the volunteers was carefully screened. Only those who knew nothing about Edinburgh's legendary hauntings were allowed to participate. Yet by the end of the experiment, nearly half reported phenomenon that they could not explain. Wiseman tried to be as scientific as possible about the study. The volunteers were not told which particular cells or vaults had previous claims of strange activity. They were taken to locations with a reputation for being haunted as well as red herring vaults that had no history of activity at all. Yet the highest number of paranormal experiences by the volunteers were reported to take place in the very areas that did have the haunted reputations, end quote. While Dr. Wiseman is reluctant to declare the castle haunted by ghosts, he does agree that something strange is happening at the castle. So are these unusual experiences a result of the human imagination or some other phenomenon? Is the castle just old and thus creepy and cold? Has the legend and lore taken on a life of its own? Or is Edinburgh Castle indeed one of the most haunted locations in the world? That is for you to decide. That indeed was very interesting and definitely another one of those places that's on our bucket list that we need to visit one day. Absolutely. So I need to go win the lotto because we, we've we <laughs> added like, actually this one could be very doable because I know we've already talked about it going across the pond in the, the nearer future. Yeah. I mean, everything's doable if you just save <laughs> the money and you wait years and years and years. But if we wanted to do this all in the next couple of years, yeah, we'd need to win the lotto. Yeah, probably not in the next couple of years, but maybe this location in the next couple of years. We shall see. We shall see. We also wanted to let you all know, if you are not signed up for the newsletter, you don't know, or if you didn't listen to the last uh, show, you don't know that we've changed plans for doing the ghost tour in Mount Dora here in Central Florida. 
we are switching to Kissimmee in Central Florida. And we're going to go with Haunted Kissimmee. You can check out their website at hauntedkissimmee.com. We have a phone call into them. Did you did you leave a message with them? I did. I haven't okay. gotten back. They haven't gotten back with me just yet. Generally, they start their tours. They're 90-minute tours, and they start at 8 p.m. And they do them nightly, they say, but you... You got no, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, right? Right, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But is what during they're... the winter, they do them earlier and limited. So we've called them. Hopefully, they'll get back to us and let us know exactly what days in January they have available. We'll pass that on to you guys. And then if you're going to be in this area or you live in this area and you want to come with us, let us know so we can get us all registered. Actually, I don't think it would be too bad of a day. If you're interested in going, you can even start emailing us now. So even by the time they call, I'll have a general idea and then we'll get the details. So you can be interested without committing. That That's probably a great idea. And I can tell you right now, since most people have Saturdays and Sundays off, generally we try to do ghost tours on Saturday so that you guys don't have to get up for work the next day. We want to make sure that you join us for our next show. Of course, we want you to join us for all the shows. I put out to Twitter, does anybody have any suggestions for what they want to hear about in 2015? I'm putting that out to the audience here as well. There's something you want to hear about in 2015. Of course, if you're listening to this in archives and the year is 2020, tough luck. But if you're well, listening we're to still these going live, in 2020, so you can hey? let us know what you want to hear in 2020. Exactly. We don't care. Let us know. Um, so one of the people that I follow over on Twitter and that follows us back is Shadows at the Door, and he has suggested Chillingham Castle, which I had never heard of before. But when I went and looked at pictures, look at this place. Wow. That, Pretty cool looking. That is very cool looking. What a name. Like Chillingham. I'm, I'm I thought he was kidding. I'm like, Chillingham, really? I thought maybe, because I'm like, Chillingham, that's kind of hokey, honey, <laughs> when you first told me, but... That's the actual name of the castle. Do you get chills at Chillingham Castle? Chilling. I wonder if it's a family name, but it is called sure Chillingham is. Castle. I guess we'll find out when we do our research and find out more about it. But it is in Northumberland, and that's over in England. So I guess we're going to be staying over across the pond and doing castle. I, I, I'm not thinking that the entire month of January is going to be castles, but we'll see. I know there's another castle not far from England and Scotland. It's just a train ride away in Paris at Disneyland. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, if she's talking about a Disney park again, all we have to do is go to Walt Disney World and we've got a haunted house. A castle. We've got castles. We got it all. (laughs) Fabulous. All right. Well, thanks to the uh, peanut gallery over there. You're welcome. We want to thank you guys for joining us this evening. I have been your host, Diane. And this is Denise. Y'all take care now. Bye-bye. Be sociable. Drop the chain rattling, neck biting, and shape shifting. And join us on Facebook and Twitter at History Goes Bump. Like the page and follow us. <laughs>